0: welcome to the Adorning the Dark podcast. My name is Ken and today we're going to carry on with our series of looking at the various books of the Bible and their artistic bent and uh, today we're going to keep on talking a little bit about uh, lamentations and lamenting as well as move on to the Psalms. So I hope that you'll enjoy this time as we discover God's word together. Last time we spoke about um, lamenting, and as Christians, that we have just this this freedom and ability to explore the reality of the human condition, and the reality of our emotions before God, um, in in the artistic mediums that we we are talented or privy to use. You know whether you're a musician, a painter, a poet, a writer. You know, there's biblical proof and biblical tradition for us to explore those the narratives of of pain and loss and sadness, and, and crying out to God, why? Uh, and I think that's that's a good, helpful place. That especially in the season that we find ourselves in, worldwide, um, that we're able to do that. That we're able just to ask God, why? And the more the more I thought about it this week, I've gone through through times of of great kind of um peace and i've gone through times of of really dark thoughts and darkness and i find that as we we kind of fall back onto reminding ourselves through artistic mediums um, of the truth of who god is and our right just to question these things how, how much peace that can bring you know i have Spent a month in isolation, and uh, it's been a it's been a hard time, especially when you are by yourself and you don't have family, or anyone else around you. Your children are are far away, and it's it's been a a tough time. There's been moments where I've looked at the future and gone, I have absolutely no idea how to make the future work, how to sort income out. And you get overwhelmed by the problems, you know, and that's why knowing scripture and, you know, having this, this ability to, to kind of lean into the gifts that God has given us to encourage, just to, to allow us to, to be honest in a moment before God is so greatly helpful. Um, you know, we, we can lament, we can, we can look at something and go, oh my goodness, ah, you know, ah, uh, <laughs> God, how am I going to do this, God, I haven't seen these people, God, the world's broken, oh God, people are, are crazy, and it's a healthy thing just to be able to, to, to voice those opinions, and I've found the more that I've kind of stepped out of my bubble of actually communicating this to God um has been so helpful because i grew up um and this is i mean i have an amazingly godly mother who prays and loves the lord um but you know both of us i was speaking to her a while ago we both grew up thinking that you couldn't question god you couldn't you know he was god you couldn't just go and say look God, why are you doing this? Oh, why is the world so bad? It was just this, this kind of just accept God's God, and you don't question Him. And I think just the the health and the the ability to go and and kind of question these things, you know, and um, have those emotions before God is healthy. And I think God, God's not going to be knocked off His throne as we we sing these things, as we ask these things. Yeah, there's that biblical tradition of people going. God, what's up? So, yeah, I just want to encourage whoever, if you're on that journey, just to keep on that journey of just asking those questions. You know, we work out our salvation with fear and trembling, and sometimes we have to to ask the questions. You know, we need to to dig into the Word and find our answers there. You know, podcasts are good, books are good, songs are good, but the Word of God is kind of just the the raw material that we are able just to to dig into and just to find everything we can. So that's just an encouragement just to carry on in the word, carry on being honest with God with our with our questions, our emotions, and always just go back to scripture and just ask and, and look there. You know, that this brings me up to um, just the song. in you know, this this blog is based on a book by an artist called Andrew Pedersen. He's a a Christian CCM singer-songwriter, but in my humble opinion, one of the best um, singer-songwriters out there, just an amazing lyricist. And, um, you know, he wrote a song um, a while ago called Is He Worthy? And it just brings that kind of that questioning and that call and response. And, you know, we'll get into later discussions about, you know, Creating music for the church or creating music for for kind of the world, or just creating um, art that is kind of with a Christian worldview. Uh, but that that's those are topics for different dis, for other discussions. And I just want to kind of just look at the song and some of the the lyrics, and just go. It's amazing how we and this also ties into the psalms that we're going to be talking about. Um, but I'm just going to go through the first verse of the song. And just that, that kind of asking those questions. And just the song has a call and response. Or I encourage you to listen to it. It's called He Is Worthy by Andrew Peterson. The first line goes, Do you feel the world is broken? And then there's a the response of, We do. Can you feel the shadows deepen? We do. But do you know that all the dark won't stop the light from getting through? We do. Do you wish that you could see it all made new? We do. There's this longing... To see that the world in front of us is broken. This longing to see that, that um, and this longing to know that the darkness won't stop what God's going to do. And that we could see it all made new. It's such a powerful, like, just a little summary there. Is all creation groaning? It is. Is it a new creation coming? It is. Is the glory of the Lord to be the light within our midst? It is. Is it good that we remind ourselves of this? <laughs> it is. That even though we are, are lamenting, even though we are looking at the, the state of everything, that we just remind ourselves of what is coming. And that's such a powerful thing that, that we're able to do. And the chorus just goes, is anyone worthy? Is anyone whole? Is anyone able to break the seal and open the scroll? The Lion of Judah conquered the grave. He is David's root and the Lamb who died to ransom the slave. Is he worthy? Is he worthy? Of all blessing and honor and glory... Is he worthy of this? He is, and it's just there's more of the song we'll get we'll get onto a bit later, but just that that holding on to this darkness that we find ourselves in, that we can really go. It sucks, but God is good. We're just gonna take a quick break now and get into the Psalms. Bit of a breakdown of the Psalms and what that means for us. listening to the Adorning the Dark podcast you can listen to us on Spotify or Anchor or you can join us on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash Adorning the Dark podcast so looking now at the Psalms I'm going to go through the Wikipedia kind of breakdown of the Psalms and we're going to look at kind of the introduction, um, a bit of the breakdown of the psalms, um, the types of psalms, a bit about their composition, a bit about the editorial agenda and the ancient music, the themes and their use. It's quite a bit that we're going to be going through, um, but yeah, I think it's it's pretty, pretty helpful. Just for us to get a good understanding of the Psalms, um, and then from there, kind of, how does that work for us as as artists, and how can we, we use that um, in our artistic endeavours? So, the Book of Psalms, um, commonly refers to referred to simply as Psalms, the Psalter, or the Psalms, is the first book of the Ketuvim, or the Writings, which is the third section of the Hebrew Bible, and thus a book of the Christian Old Testament. The title is derived from the Greek translation of salmoi, meaning instrumental music, and by extension, the words accompanying the music. The book is an anthology of individual psalms, with 150 in the Jewish and Western Christian tradition, and more in the Eastern Christian churches. Many are linked to the name of David, but his authorship is not accepted by modern scholars. All right, So the Book of Psalms is divided into five sections, each closing with a doxology, i.e. a benediction. These divisions were probably introduced by the final editors to imitate a five-fold division of the Torah. So there's Book 1, which is Psalms 1 to 41, Book 2, which is Psalms 42 to 72, Book 3, which is Psalms 73 to 89 book 4 which is psalm 90 to 106 and book 5 which is psalm 107 to 150 and they're numbered differently you know throughout uh, the hebrew numbering or the the greek numbering there are different ways that they're numbered and broken up but we're not going to quite get into that so there are different types of psalms okay so uh Herman Gunkel's pioneering form-critical work on the psalms sought to provide a new and meaningful context into which to interpret individual psalms, not by looking at their literary context within the psalter, which he did not see as significant, but by bringing together the psalms of the same genre throughout the psalter. Gunkel divided the psalms into five primary types. So there are hymns, which are songs of praise for God's work in creation, They typically open to the call to praise, describe the motivation for the praise, and conclude with the repetition of the call. Two subcategories are Enthronement psalms, celebrating the Enthronement of Yahweh as King, and Zion Psalms, glorifying Mount Zion, God's dwelling place in Jerusalem. Dunkel also described a special subset of eschatological hymns, which are themes of future restoration, such as Psalm 126, and of judgment such as psalm 82 so you have almost your traditional kind of praise and worship songs um, as as one of the kind of primary types and these are basically just a call to kind of uh, praise god as king glorify kind of the future um, restoration and just god's dwelling place so The hymns were a part of that. Then you get communal laments. Communal laments in which the nation laments some communal disaster. Both communal and individual laments typically, but not always include the following elements. An address to God. Description of suffering. Cursing the party responsible for the suffering. Which is quite interesting. Protest of innocence or admission of guilt. Petition for divine assistance. Faith in God's receipt of prayer anticipation of divine response in a song of thanksgiving in general the individual and the communal subtypes can be distinguished by the use of the singular I or the plural we however the I could also be characterizing an individual person's experience that was reflective of an entire community so very interesting tied into lamentric which we've been talking about is there were communal laments Yeah, you know, that you're basically going God save me or I'm innocent, or I'm guilty, and a petition for God to come in, intervene. Then there were the royal psalms. Royal psalms dealing with such matters as the king's coronation, marriage, or battles. None of them mentions any specific king by name, but their origin and use remain obscure. Several psalms, especially in 93 to 99, concern the kingship of God, and might relate to an annual ceremony on which Yahweh ...would be ritually reinstated as king. Not too sure about that, but that is part of the breakdown of the psalms. There's also individual amends. Individual amends, lamenting the fate of a particular individual who utters them. They are by far the most common type of psalm, typically opened with the invocation of God... ...followed by the lament itself and pleas for help, often ending in an expression of confidence... ...a subset of the psalm of confidence, which the psalmist expresses confident ...that God will deliver him from the evils and enemies. So a lot of these these psalms are about pleas for God to deliver. And then you get the individual thanksgiving psalms. Individual thanksgiving psalms, the opposite of individual laments, which the psalmist thanks God for deliverance from personal distress. In addition to these five major genres, the uncle also recognizes a number of minor psalm types, including communal thanksgiving psalms, which the whole nation thanks God for deliverance. Wisdom psalms, reflecting on Old Testament wisdom literature. Pilgrimage psalms, sung by pilgrims on their way to Jerusalem entrance and prophetic liturgies, and a group of mixed psalms that could not be assigned to any particular category. So it's an interesting breakdown of kind of the psalm subtypes, the, the kind of themes and that they were speaking about, and yeah, I find that to be very, very interesting. Next part, the origins. Composition of the psalm spans at least five centuries, from Psalm 29. Possibly an Israelite adaptation of an entire Canaanite hymnal to ball. To others, clearly from post-exile. The majority originated in the southern kingdom of Judah, and were associated with the temple of Jerusalem. They probably functioned as libretto, extended musical works such as opera. You know, and they were used in kind of a mass or a kind of gathering format uh, during temple worship. Exactly how they did this isn't clear, although there are indications in some of them bind the festival procession with branches up to the horns of the altar, suggests a connection with sacrifices. Let my prayer be counted as incense, suggests connection with the offering of incense. So they're tying in the Psalms with things that they did. The biblical poetry of the Psalms uses parallelism as its primary poetic device. Um, so we can have a look at what parallelism means. Um, parallelism is a rhetorical device that compounds words or phrases that have equivalent meanings as to create a definitive pattern. The structure is particularly effective when specifying or enumerating pairs of series of like things. A scheme of balance, parallelism presents one of the basic principles of grammar and rhetoric. Parallelism is a rhetorical vice that used many languages and cultures in poetry, epic songs, written prose and speech, from the folk level to the professional, is often very found in biblical poetry and the proverbs in general. for Example, is she tried to make the law clear, precise and equitable. So using words that kind of um, abundance of words that kind of um, really hammer down on the point. Very, very interesting. That that's what's used. Right, so using an example for that, the Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I feel? The Lord is the stronghold of my life, whom shall I be afraid? That double kind of whom shall I feel, who shall I be afraid? Kind of highlighting that God is, once you have God He's your light and salvation or your stronghold, why are you afraid? Two lines, especially opposites known as antithetic parallel, parallelism I love my uh, word mash there An example of antithetic parallelism He led them to the Led them in a cloud by day and all the night by a fiery light. Two clauses express an idea and find the first claim is known as expansive parallelism. An example of expansive parallelism is my mouth is filled with your praise all the day with your lording. So again, it's that double, that's that one-two punch of an idea that the Psalms really kind of uh, used a lot. So, many scholars believe that individual psalms were redacted into a single collection in the Second Temple Times. It had long been recognized that the collection bore the input of underlying message or meta-narrative, but that this message remained concealed. As Augustine of Hippo said, the sequence of the psalm seems to me to contain a secret of a mighty mystery, but its meaning has not been revealed to me. Others pointed out the presence of Conquer conquer that is, adjacent psalms sharing similar words or themes. In the time, this approach developed into recognizing overarching themes shared by whole groups of psalms. So they're tied together in ideas just to to kind of hammer home kind of the biblical narrative or hammer home kind of truths that were used together. So ancient music of the psalms, psalms were not written as poems but as songs for singing. More than a third of the psalms are addressed to the director of music. Some psalms exhort the worshipper to sing, such as psalms 33, 1-3, 92, 1-3, 96, 1-3, 98, verse one 101, verse one and the whole of 150. Some headings denote musical instruments, the psalms should be played, such as psalms 4, 5, 6, 8, and 67. Some refer to singing at the shemit or an octave, psalms 6 and 12. Some... Others preserve the name for an ancient for ancient Eastern modes like Butla Death of the Sun, Psalm nine, Elet Hashaka, Hind of the Dawn, Psalm twenty two, Shoshanim, Lilies, Psalm forty five, or Alamoth Maidens, Psalm forty six. Despite frequency the frequency heard view that the ancient music is lost, it means the means to reconstruct it. Are still existent. Fragments of temple psalm melody preserved in ancient church and synagogue chant, particularly in the tonus peregrinus melody heard in Psalm 114. Uh, Cantillation signs to record the melody sung were used since ancient times. Evidence of them can be found in manuscripts. Of the olden- olden- uh, oldest copies of Psalms of the District Souls were even more extensive in the Mazaritic text. Which dates to the early Middle Ages, whose Tibetan scribes claim to be basing their work on period temple period signs. Right, so there's a lot to, to kind of go through there. The biggest uh, themes of the Psalms are the praise of God for His power, His bene- uh, benevolence, creation of the world, His past acts of deliverance. The Psalms envision a world where each everyone and everything can praise God, and the God will turn to you in their prayers and respond. Worst of all is when God hides his face and refuses to respond, because this puts the question of the efficiency of prayer, which is the underlying assumption of the book of Psalms. Psalms are called mascals, which is because they impart wisdom. The most noticeable of these are Psalm 142, which is called a Mascal of David. Others include Psalm 38 and Psalm 78. The term derives enlightened or wise. Right. So that is a breakdown of the Psalms. Um, And also they were written by David. So there were 73 Psalms of David, 12 of Asaph, the sons of Korah 11, Solomon 2, Moses 1, Ethan the Ezraite 1, Herman the Ezraite 1. Alright, so we're going to take a quick break and we'll get back. have been listening to the adorning the dark podcast we're available on spotify as well as anchor and you can reach us on facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash adorning the dark podcast so what does this kind of mean you know the the psalms were used as um essentially as the worship music of the time. And, um, yeah, I think it gives us a nice spread of the the kind of worship music that we can be singing in our churches or music that we write with the intention to worship God. You know, the hymns um, really kind of um, are these open to praise god where it's very much kind of what what worship music is written today about god and worshiping him and kind of lifting the elements and attributes of god up and these are very important things for us to do to remind us of um who god is his power what he can do um you know, if we we go through this, kind of just reminding us of the power of God, reminding us of um, God's goodness. You know, when we go through times where we're we're struggling, you know, we can remind ourselves that God is good. When we go through times where we go, is God present? You know, when we sing songs of praise, we're just reminding ourselves. We're hammering home through the truth that we learn of Scripture of God's goodness of God's mercy, of God's wisdom, of God's power, you know, because often when we go through a dark time, you know, we can't remember what God did five minutes ago, you know, you look at the, this kind of repeated narrative of scripture is God saves his people and five minutes later they're going, oh God, where are you, you know, what are you doing and that that idea that we, we need to sing and all in a creative way remind ourselves constantly of God's power for his work in, in creation and in history and for his character and for who he is for what he's done, for what's coming is to remind ourselves of who he is and what he has done I think that's an important thing for us to constantly remind ourselves because um, I know myself I'm incredibly forgetful um, you know, God comes through, and you know you have a bill to pay. You don't know how to pay it, and pray and you ask God, and He comes through for it. And five minutes later, you're worried about the next one. And I think we as people are forgetful, and that's why I think God created the arts, is that we have ways to sing, to read, to remind ourselves constantly of the truth of who God is, and that's one of the aspects that we can use. Um, specifically in the, yeah, or well, it's not limited to, but specifically in the idea of church or congregation or liturgical worship. Just to to sing about who he is, and what he's done, yeah. The next part is the communal lament. This is something that we don't do, in a wide way, in the church, or at least in my experience of the church, is that we don't. We don't address God. And tell him of our suffering we don't sing songs so where we go god my life sucks you know or god i'm struggling you know um god i'm struggling my wife left me or god i'm struggling uh, the debt collectors on my um on my back or god my best friend stabbed me in the back or God so and so hurt me or so and so broke me or we don't we don't come to God like that. And we don't do it as a community, surely. Yeah, you know, and we don't come to say we don't come to God saying, God, I'm guilty or God I'm innocent but this is kind of this breakdown of, of what biblical uh, authors did. You know. We'll come and we'll ask God for divine assistance. But we don't go, God, I'm struggling. God, life sucks. God, Bob hurt me. You know, yeah, I'm pretty guilty or I'm innocent and help me. And then <laughs> in that, that moment of just laying it at God's feet going, yeah, okay, you've heard the prayer. Can't wait for you to answer it. Love you. You know, that we, we kind of don't do that. So that's not something we do as communities and that's not something we do... Generally in our life, and I mean, I'm speaking for myself, but I don't believe it to be something prevalent. And that's another thing that in scripture was done: this communal lamenting that we as artists and Christians have the freedom to be able to do. You know, um, again the Royal psalms, kind of tied to the hymns, just this this declaration of God being king. You know, the individual laments; these laments of of um, individually lamenting, you know, God help. Um, And again, the Thanksgiving Psalms kind of just, um, you know, whereas the hymns were more praising God for who he is, uh, the individual thanksgiving is thanking him for what he's done. And hymns and the Thanksgiving Psalms, you can see are pretty prevalent um, in today's modern worship. Um, and I just think that things like the royal psalms and the laments are something that we maybe need to to focus a bit more on, kind of just that declaration of who God is. I mean, we have scripture right here telling us this is the way that we can sing to God. Um, you know, these are the biblical kind of truth that we can kind of lock onto um, to remind ourselves of who He is, what He's done. And the biblical ways that we can can really kind of express this, and that's it's really important to me to kind of just communicate that truth of of being scripturally authentic, you know. Um, I mean, if you go through, if we go through everything, you know, all the the ways of creativity, everything's covered, you know from lamenting to the Psalms, to the wisdom literature, to, I mean, um, sexuality and uh, in Song of Solomon's to prophetic language, you know, incredibly fantasy, high fantasy language of the, the prophets. I mean, everything is covered, you know, and, you know, if we can just rest in this place that, God has given us the gifts and we're free to kind of express ourselves in these ways and you know, whether we're expressing it like that in worship through the hymns or the individual thanksgiving that's fine but there's also a place for lamenting there's also a place for, for applying kind of the wisdom you know there's we can sing of the goodness of sex we can use language that is um, massively um based in high fantasy and horror if you go to some of the, the revelations and the prophetic stuff. So there's such a, a a really wide use of language that we can use to be biblically faithful in how we communicate and what we say. And we have permission because the word of God is before us and these things are in there and we can address God and we can, you know, use these things to communicate the truth and the of who God is and the truth of his church are to people. So, yeah, I just, I really want to encourage people just to, to open the, God, the Bibles. Read these things. Feel that freedom to express these emotions, express these truths in these ways because the Bible backs it up. You know, I, I, as a Christian, if it's, I really want to reiterate, you know, we need to be biblical, biblically faithful. You know, we need to We need to take that idea that God has given us the word of God as the truth. You know, that he's given it as a person who has a higher perspective than anyone else. He's looking at the world and he's seeing everything. And we often don't see the word for the trees because we don't have the, the same lens that we can see the world. And he's given us the Bible. And he said, here it is. This is my perspective and he's given us the gifts and the freedom to use those perspectives that he's given us in the word of god to be faithful with how we communicate and sing and paint and write and are creative you know in this this dark world you're listening to the adorning the dark podcast you can list us on Spotify and Anchor, and we are being introduced to a bunch of other um, podcast platforms which we'll be announcing in a while. You can also, join us on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash adorning the dark podcast. So, thank you for joining us today as we, we're speaking about through the various kind of creative ways the bible um uses to kind of explore themes and and truths and um yeah we really i'm enjoying going through this this series and um you know just looking at the the biblical way um of communicating these things through the arts um we will be in the future we're busy recording a couple of podcasts with uh, people in the arts, and just to have their views and opinions on on Christianity and the arts, and we will be bringing those through um, in the next while, so stay tuned, that should be fairly exciting, Um, but yeah, I just want to pray and ask that uh, God is with you in these times, be blessed. You are listening to the Adoring the Bot- Dark podcast. My name is Ken. Thank you for joining us. And we wish you the best until next time. Ken.